thanks for saying hi to somebody and greeting somebody uh, just now. Uh, so, so good to be with you. If you're, if you're watching online uh, or you're watching another place, thanks for, thanks for being here with us as a part of this. Uh, uh, my name is Tim. I'm the lead pastor here at, at Mosaic, and I want to kind of tell you um, what, what we're planning on here for our gathering today. Um, we're going to do a couple things and uh, going to kind of break it up into, into two sections a little bit. One is uh, we want to spend some time just talking about what God has done. Uh, and then secondly, how we respond to what God has done. Uh, if you've never considered this before, this is actually just a great practice every morning when you wake up and existence becomes something that you're aware of. And when you become conscious and you think, what has God done already? What is completed? What has he done? How has he worked? And then how do I respond to who he is and what he's done? And so that's kind of how we're going we're gonna to break this up. Uh, I am, I'm really glad to be with you. Uh, today is, for us as a church family, it kind of marks 20 years um, that we have existed and kind of formally started our, our public gatherings 20 years ago. Um, so that's, uh, that's one reason I'm, I'm glad to be with you. I'm also glad to, to be here together today um, because I, I wasn't able to be here last week. I want to give you a quick just kind of personal update on that before we, before we move forward. Um, we, uh, we send out a, a weekly email. It's a great way to track with what's going on in the life of Mosaic. Um, and so I shared a little bit in that, and then I think a, a little bit was shared last Sunday. Uh, I had a friend and mentor of mine, Morris Dirks, um, uh, preached last week and did a phenomenal job. If you were here, if you haven't, you should go back and listen to it. But um, for me, I, uh, I, m about eight years ago, my dad had a stroke and has uh, been on a journey with dementia uh, that this summer um, he rapidly declined. And uh, my mom and my sister and I uh, made a decision that happened really fast uh, a week ago Monday uh, to move him in uh, into a full-time care facility. My mom was no no longer able to care for him um, by herself. And so that happened really fast. I thought it was going to be about four to six weeks out, and it ended up being, um, what did that end up being, six days out or something like that. And so I flew to Denver uh, and was with my, with my mom and dad and helped move him into a, a care facility. And so uh, I just wanted to say uh, thanks to Morris, thanks to the team that kind of stepped in and, and helped. And um, and thank you for all of those of you that, uh, that knew and prayed. Uh, and if you knew and you didn't pray, um, that, I'm just a little sad, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, it was, uh, I, I find myself when people say, hey, how's it going? Uh, my knee-jerk reaction is to say, oh, it went well. And um, that's like the, like the very tail end of the story. It's really hard. And so I don't know if you've ever had a family member or know someone or even familiar with what dementia is and what that's like, but it's, uh, it's all, all of it is no good. So uh, it was really, really hard, and I am deeply, deeply grateful that I was able to be uh, with my mom. And the actual moving in is one thing, um, but the 48 hours after that was probably even more critical that I was able to be with her. And so I uh, just wanted to give you that, that quick update because I know so many of you have been praying and just really appreciate that. Um, in the end, it's a good thing, but man, it, it's, it is not fun. Uh, and it would just be great if all of the effects of sin could just be gone from our world and existence right now. And that's called heaven. And when that comes, that'll be great. But, um, but thank you again for the, uh, the support. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time talking about what God has done. 
and then um, we're going to take communion together. And this is something that we do when we gather almost every single time that we gather in this place on Sundays is we take communion together. Um, and one of the things it does is it marks what, what God has done. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what God has done in the life of our particular church, Mosaic, over these last uh, two decades. And um, then we're going to take communion and worship, and then we're going to talk about what, uh, how we respond to what God has done. So um, here's the, if you don't know, some of you are like, hey, I'm just kind of checking you out. I don't, I don't even know what this what Mosaic is like. Maybe it's your first time in here. Maybe you're coming back because you heard it was 20 years. Maybe you've been here for three years or 13 years or something. But this, our story as a church started about 20 years ago. And um, our, our mission from the, the very beginning, we have, uh, we have said it in, in this way. We've said it's to, to follow Jesus, uh, to do that with others together in authentic community, um, and it's not just for us, that we don't just get together for us, but it's actually for those who don't know, yet know Jesus, so for the world. So to follow Jesus in an authentic community with one another, uh, that we would actually look and be distinct, that people would see how we treat one another, how we speak to one another, how we love one another, how we do relationships for one another, how we serve one another, how we care for one another, and that would be very distinct and different than the rest of the world, and the world would be drawn to that and find Jesus and, and see Jesus. That's how we've articulated our, our mission from the very beginning. Our name, Mosaic, is, is, a, is an art form. The idea of a mosaic, is, as we know, comes from taking things that have been broken and or discarded, um, are marred, are flawed in some way, and taking those broken pieces and, and putting them together in a way that it no longer just looks broken, but it becomes something beautiful. That something broken is, is made beautiful. And this is the, the good news of Jesus. This is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus taught. We've spent the last uh, almost two years walking through the book of Luke in the Bible and just learning and hearing from Jesus over and over and over again. And what Jesus does is he meets humanity in our brokenness and, and offers us something that we can't generate on our own. We can't generate our own hope, our own joy, our own salvation, our own grace for ourselves. that we need Jesus to do that. And so Jesus, through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, offers us something that we can't generate or offer to ourselves. And in doing so, begins us on a journey of making us into something beautiful. And so the idea of a mosaic actually tells the story of Jesus in some way. It gives us the opportunity to talk about who Jesus is and and what he's done. I, uh, I've been thinking about today for a, a very long time um, to, to be a part of a community that makes it to 20 years is, is something that's, that's significant. Um, I wanted to be really careful um, that as we, as we mark today, um, as we talk about the story that God has written in us, that we, we are very clear that we're pointing to Jesus and to what Jesus has done and not to ourselves. Um, that we've got some balloons in the back and we're gonna have some cake and we're gonna uh, enjoy company with one another and we're gonna mark this day, but it's not about, about us as people or us as the church, but it's about what God has done in and, in and through us. And, uh, and in thinking about that and reflecting on that and, and just the, the, uh, the deep gift uh, it is to be linked arms with other people and walking together in a city like Portland in the Pacific Northwest um, is such a, a, a wonderful, unique gift. And to look back over the 20 years of Mosaic, and, and, and I just, 
just real quickly, if I could just kind of lay out four things that I think we've seen God do among us that are worth celebrating. And there are many more. Many more. There's, there's dozens and dozens that we could list. But, but four things really quickly. One, um, I think from the very beginning, and this is maintained, is that, that God has formed somehow uniquely a, a DNA and a culture and a, and a people and drawn people together that have had, had, have had a heartbeat and a deep desire to welcome anyone who walks in here. To, to, to be open to being in relationship with just about anyone. That anyone could walk into our gatherings from day one, regardless of their age, regardless of their style, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their orientation, regardless of their socioeconomic status, regardless of their background, of their resume, of their place in life and place in our city, that anyone could walk in. And there's this heartbeat that not, doesn't come from us, it comes from Jesus It says, you're valuable and you're loved. When, uh, when my family first arrived here a little over uh, 16 years ago, um, we walked in and it just, it just quickly felt like home. And as we talked to people, and, and I, I got to spend about a month uh, undercover before very many people knew me and just would sit wherever in this room and meet people and ask them, hey, why, why are you here? Why have you made this your church home? And the line I heard over and over and over again was, it just felt like home. That, that's, that's from Jesus. Like that, a, a people can't do that on, on their own and have that last. Like that's something that, that God in his mercy embeds in his church. Um, and so we have maintained that and I hope that that continues to, to deepen and flourish and that when people walk in, regardless of what they're walking in from, that they feel a sense of, of welcome and acceptance and value and love. So much so that they could actually be willing to refer to a place as, as home, which is something as we know that we're all, we all long for and want and seek. The second thing that, that I think God's done uh, repeatedly and consistently is provided a next step for people. Hopefully you've experienced this. Wherever you walked in, wherever you were at spiritually when you walked in, and today, wherever you walk in and find yourself, whether you're struggling between belief and doubt, whether you even think God exists, whether you have been following Jesus for decades and are looking for the next place to contribute, um, whether you're at a place where you're like, I am stagnant and I need to grow, that there's been a, a next step available, a next step into relationship, a next step in challenge to grow, a next step to struggle with and work out questions of, of doubt and struggle and disbelief that you want to move to belief in that there's been a next step, and that's looked a ton of different ways over the years, but that there's not, a, there's not a, uh, a place to just sit and stay, but there's a constant invitation into the challenge to grow and an invitation into deepen and following Jesus in this place. The third thing that I think is that um, God has repeatedly called, identified, equipped, and sent out leaders, that we have a, a legacy, we have a track record of developing the next generation of leaders and then holding them with open hands to wherever God may take them and use them. And that's the fourth thing is that some of those have gone on to plant churches and God has used Mosaic to be a church planting church. In year two of our existence, uh, we helped plant a church for the first time, a church called Compass in downtown Vancouver. About three, four years later, another church was planted and then that started a four-year run of planting a church every year. 
And then we planted another mosaic in North Portland that some of you were a part of seeding and starting and, and seeing that go for about four years. And then in 2018, which is wild to think about, five years ago, had to fold that back in for a variety of reasons. But Mosaic has taken this costly risk of, of sending leaders and people and resources out to plant other churches. And of the six that we've helped plant, I think four of those are still going in our city, in the Portland-Vancouver metro area. We also got to link arms with a number of other churches and start the Portland Metro Network, uh, which has planted an additional seven churches over the last now 14 years. So God has done something in and, in and through this church in the last 20 years, and, and we celebrate it. It's like God is, God is good. But at the same time, as we want to be able to step back and go, this is what God has done, and, and we pray that he continues to do it. If we look at those 20 years, there's much to celebrate in that, but, but I want to take a minute and, and, and step back just a year earlier and look, if I can, at year zero, because um, something really critical happened in year zero, the year before we formally launched and started as a church. So if we look into year zero, what was going on is there was a, a small group of people. God used two pastors to kind of bring together this small core group of people, and some of you are still in this room, amazingly, as that, as that is and cast a vision for what a new church could look like. And began praying, and then came across this actual physical space and began praying in the lower level here, and built, had a relationship with the church that was here, but the church that was here was, was dwindling and dying, and the pastor was near retirement. And as that church wrestled with and discerned that their time of being a church was completed, that God had used them in really significant ways in Portland, but they were done. And what they did is they then made this bold and courageous decision to take what was theirs as a church, which was this building and what was left of their budget, and hand it over to a small group of people who had a vision for planting an, a new church. That happened in, in year zero. There was this verse that was used during that discernment process, and I want us to, to look at it together. It's in, in John chapter 12, verse 24. John chapter 12, verse 24 says, says this, and it's, it's Jesus speaking. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty simple illustration, right? A kernel of wheat has to, has to fall to the ground, um, embed in the dirt and be watered, and then it grows into and it be, produces much more seed. It's a simple illustration. These are Jesus' words. If you've got one of those Bibles that has it in red, this is in red. Jesus is talking here. And he's not just talking just to share an illustration. He's talking about himself. He's talking about his own life. And Jesus is saying, I have to die in order to bring the life that is planned for humanity. I've lived perfectly. I've not sinned. I don't deserve death. Everyone else does, but I do not. But I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die. I'm actually going to suffer and then die. But what's going to happen is that it's going to bring life. That Jesus, when we ask the question of what has God done, what has Jesus done, Jesus has given his own life, has died so that he could give life to others. That in his death, he actually brings life. This verse was used literally for this building because a church had met here and gathered here for decades and decades. Great stories God worked in great ways. We could stand and celebrate all that God did in that church. But it said, our, our chapter is done. 
because it's not about us, because it's about what God is doing in the world, we want to look out beyond ourselves and say, where's God working? He seems to be working in this small group of people that are starting to to pray for and have a vision for reaching people in the Portland-Vancouver metro area. And so we're going to hand our building off to them. They were willing to die to to bring new life, to, to follow Jesus' model. And that's... That has shaped who Mosaic is. That has is, that is shaped us. That's given us a story and a beginning and a foundation that we can stand on that says, you know what? We're going to take a risk of faith and we're going to step up and we're going to allow leaders to go out and we're going to allow churches to be planted and we're going to give away our time and energy and effort and money and resources. Because when we sacrifice and we die to ourselves, we know that God uses that for those that are far from him. And so that's been embedded deeply in who we are as our story, our DNA, and our culture. We want to maintain that and see that grow and become greater and greater part of our story in the future. Jesus also says this about himself. Earlier in the book of John, the very first verses, it talks about Jesus being not only life, but light. It says in John uh, chapter 1, verse 5, that the, the light went to the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. And so not only does Jesus bring life from death, but then he then becomes light and sends light to the darkness. That Jesus says, I've come into a dark world that is characterized by death and I'm gonna bring life and that life is going to be the light that's gonna shine for others. And the darkness of the world is not gonna overcome it. And then Jesus calls us, his followers, his church, to do likewise, to be light for others. Matthew says this, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's right in the heart of uh, Jesus' kind of greatest teaching for all of, all of humanity, the greatest teaching ever, that's ever happened. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Right in the heart of it, he says, you're to be this kind of light. Like I am light, you're to be light. And wherever you are, and one of the things that we talk openly about and acknowledge is that we live in a city and a time and a moment that needs Jesus. And in 2003, when Mosaic started, that was part of the story. And it's even more so today. We've talked about our mission from the very beginning is following Jesus in community with others, in authentic community for the world. The way that we've chosen to articulate and best capture what we believe that God's calling us to acknowledge is this, as we talk about our vision, we look at our city around us and we say, our, our, our city isn't what God designed. Our city is, is dark. And we hate to say that because there's so many good things about Portland and Vancouver and the Pacific Northwest. Or maybe you hear me say that and you're like, Tim, are you delusional? Everything is rotten. This place is horrendous. How can I get out? Okay, you've thought that too? Like, it would be silly to say it is just all glorious. It kind of was. If that's what we got when the Osbournes showed up 16 years ago. It was like, oh, this is awesome, and we loved it. We were fleeing this horrendous place called Los Angeles. And we got here, and everything was perfect. It was, you guys had green in Portland. We're like, this is our home. There's green. It's beautiful. Look at all this fun, weird, quirky stuff. And we celebrated it. You know what? And it, we knew, like, there's people here who don't know Jesus. We want to be here because there's people here that don't know Jesus. It has only gotten harder. 
it has only gotten darker. And so it is only more important to remember that Jesus before us, that Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. If it was just you and if it was just me, the darkness would overcome us. But we have Jesus in us. And so we get to go and live in front of other people that they would see our good deeds and actually find Jesus. What if that happened? That the way that we live and the way that we treat one another and the way that we are here makes a difference. And so we talk about our vision in, in these words. In a city known for self-reliance, loneliness, and cynicism, we are compelled by the love of Jesus to live distinctly different lives. We want to contribute to a movement of courageous and resilient disciples. And when we say disciples, what we mean is people who are formed by God's word, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and who are sent by Jesus. And we want to be a people and a place and a church that is equipping and sending people, leaders, who will break barriers, who will love neighbors, and uniquely contribute to more of God's kingdom coming right here and right now. And we dream of a day. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would be like if every cynic that we know, starting with all of the cynics sitting right here, because there's part of each of us that is a cynic, would come to trust Jesus more? Can you imagine if every lonely person, starting with those of us that are lonely right here, would have a sense of home and family? And can you imagine that every self-reliant activist that believes that they have found their existential threat to work against would abandon that one and join the mission that God is on to save people who are far from him in this city and in this region right now? That would be a different city and a different region and a different world. And that is not just our vision as a church. As we're going to see in Scripture over the next number of months, that is the vision and that is the mission that God has given his church starting 2,000 years ago and continuing on with us and a bunch of other churches in our region. That whether we know it or not are linked arms in some way and saying we love this city and we love this region and there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus. And so there's need for more churches that are trusting and relying on him and his spirit's power to work in the here and now. We define a, a disciple in, in those terms of being formed by God's word. And, and by that, as we've said over and over, we don't just mean reading God's word, but allowing these words that are in print on these pages to open us up into a relationship with the living God that's speaking to us, who we can listen to and hear from. It's not just knowledge, it's not just truth, it is those things, but it's an entry, it's an on-ramp, it's an open door into a relationship with the living God of the universe. And we live in a, in, a, in a time and a place in a city that is phenomenally biblically illiterate. And when we say biblically illiterate, we mean is unable to hear from God and doesn't know how to engage with the Bible in a way that allows them to be in more of a relationship with God. And so that's a key piece. And we've seen how God has done that and continues to do that. We're gonna hear from some people next week that have been on a journey this past year of doing just that thing with a number of us have been. 
But the second thing that we say is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if we look back at what God has done, and then we turn and we pivot and we say, how do we respond? I think this is the key piece for us as a church in this next season, in this next year is to learn and to grow and develop and to deepen into what it means to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit, so much so that we understand his work and his voice in our life, and that we have a, a, a daily, real, tangible experience of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. For many of us, we say that, and you hear me say those words right now, and you have no idea what that means. And maybe some of you have been familiar with the Bible or even been part of a church for a very long time, but you have no idea what it means to feel and to know and to be aware of the Holy Spirit present in you and working through you. And somehow that all gets clogged up or the volume gets turned way down. I sat at a table this summer during our Wednesday Alpha um, gatherings and we had an open conversation. One of the, the teachings, one of the weeks, the videos was all about the Holy Spirit. And we shared about how this is an unfamiliar territory for us. That we know when we say God and when we pray, we pray to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That the God that we worship, who has formed us and made us and directs us, is three in one. We know this. And yet there's one that we're kind of unfamiliar with. And so as we step into this next year and we ask the question is, how, is do, we, how do we respond to what God has already done? I believe it's stepping into this whole unknown territory of what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. One of the ways that we're going to be doing this is, as we've just finished the book of Luke, we're stepping into the book of Acts. And we'll start a teaching series uh, today and go on through for as long as it takes, walking through the book of Acts. And what, what we see in the life of Jesus is that as he ends in, in these last words in the book of Luke, listen to these, it's Luke uh, chapter 24, um, I think it's 46 through 49. This is what Jesus says to, to his disciples, these last few moments that he has with them. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to everyone, to all nations. Jesus is saying, this is what's going to happen. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. I'm going to send you what my Father, he's talking about the Holy Spirit right here. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. His first disciples, confused, scared, excited, elated, Jesus is back alive with them in the flesh, um, hanging out, eating with them. And then he says, no, I'm, I'm going. I'm not staying, I'm going. But God's gonna send you. My Father's gonna send you something and it's gonna be powerful. And then at the beginning of Acts, which is, Luke has written all of his book, Luke, and then once you title one book by yourself, you probably shouldn't do a second. So he comes up with another name for his second book and he calls it Acts. And Acts starts with these words. In my former book, Theophilus, he's writing to Theophilus, who he wrote Luke to, and this is part two. This is the second book, Acts. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Just in case you were wondering, Luke isn't making all this all up. He's done all of this research and talked to all of these eyewitnesses. And then he's written all of the book of Luke and now he's pivoting and he's writing the book of Acts. 
And he says, Jesus convinced him. He, he, he showed up. He wasn't. Two weeks ago, we talked about the end of the book of, of Luke, and Jesus asked these final two questions, and the last one was which? Do you have anything to eat? And he asked him, do they have anything to eat? Because he wants to say, I'm physically here. I'm not some kind of apparition. I'm not some kind of ghost. I'm really here with you. I'm really alive. He proved to them that he had resurrected and he was alive with them. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father's promise. He's talking about the Holy Spirit which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Hold on, guys, you're not listening. He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The, the book of Acts, which is, I, I think of Acts and I just, I, I love the book of Acts because it talks about the church. It talks about the first church that, that came into existence, the first church that, that God planted, the first church that started, that we're in line with. And to, to, to hear people's steps of faith and risks and sacrifice and the way that God moved and that people came and that the church grew and spread. And I, I, I love the book of Acts because it talks about the church, but that's not what it's primarily talking about. The book of Acts is primarily talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is working in the world today. And so as we walk through the book of Acts, God is going to grow us as a church in how we understand who the Holy Spirit is, deepen our awareness and relationship with the Holy Spirit, learn how to talk and hear from the Holy Spirit, and how to live in power the Holy Spirit as we look at the story of how it first started. And so, yes, it is about the church, but if we look at the church, we miss what God is really doing, which is saying, I'm working in the world today through my power. I am present with you. I have never left you. And it's the Holy Spirit. You and I, our church, Mosaic, any other church in Portland and the Pacific Northwest doesn't stand a chance if we rely on strategy and planning, if we rely on even pooling of resources and even generosity. We don't stand a chance of being the people and the body, the church, that God dreams for us if we aren't intimately aware of who the Holy Spirit is and how he's working in each of our lives. What God has done in the good news of Jesus, of living, dying, being buried, and coming to new life, resurrecting again, and then in sending his Holy Spirit demands a response from us. And before we talk about how we're responding and the things that we believe God's calling us to in the this next season, we need to stop and make sure that we understand that this all starts and ends with the work of Jesus. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to come to these tables in front of us. We're going to sing and worship as we always do. But as we tell our own story, as we point back to what, what Jesus' words are, that unless a kernel falls to the ground and dies, it doesn't multiply and become more life for more people. 
that all of this starts with Jesus. And so let's take a moment and retell ourselves again and retaste for ourselves again who Jesus is and what he's done, which is to die on the cross after living a perfect life, to be buried in a grave, to then conquer death as he said he would, as his word said he would, as had been foretold. Conquered death amazed everyone, resurrected and made himself available to those offers his grace for the forgiveness of sin, which we cannot generate on our own. And so, Jesus, we come to these tables in front of us this morning, and we remember your body broken as we take this little piece of bread, this little cracker that represents your body broken on the cross, as we take these cups of juice that represent your blood shed. And would we be willing each and every day to stop and to remember that you have created and formed each and every one of us, that you love me, you value me so much so that you would send your son to live, die, and rise again. And in that, we find hope, we find forgiveness, we found the only salvation that is offered to humanity that has the power to save and to redeem and to reconcile us to the God of the universe. And so as we come, we worship you, we remember you, we receive your forgiveness. Yeah, one of the things as we just did that, I'm reminded of is I, I've shared this before, but when, when people ask like, you know, when it gets to that point in a conversation with somebody who, uh, doesn't know know Jesus, not a part of a church, and uh, comes like, yeah, you know, whether I'm getting a haircut or meeting a new neighbor, and it becomes a pastor, and then, okay, what kind of church? Uh, and always describe uh, us as a church as uh, we, we, we love Jesus, uh, and we take his, his word seriously. And as we come to this table, um, it's just a reminder, this is, this is who we are. This is our identifier. This is our identity. It's who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then we also happen to be one of those people that, that take scripture seriously, that we open it, try to study it, read it, and take it for what it says and, and try to figure that out together. So those, I'm just reminded of that as we walk up. And we also, looks like we need more communion. So um, we didn't calculate that so well, but. Hey, uh, before we talk about kind of what, what are the next things that God's calling us to as a, as a church and how we're responding to, to who God is and what he's done for us, um, we want to talk about what's next for, for you, Kim, and you've made a, a really significant decision uh, and want to hear from you what God's been doing uh, and speaking to you and, and what that means for your next step in your future. Can I start it off first by just saying I love you? I look at your faces out here and I see your hands raised as you worship and I just have such a swelling of affection in my heart for you. I just adore you, Mosaic. I treasure our mornings together where we worship. I love our times that we pray together. I love the meals that we share. I love to serve with you. I love knowing what's going on in your lives. And so some of this is, is counterintuitive, but it's also clear, and it's also right, and that's that um, my time being a pastor at Mosaic has ended. And um, this process started about a year ago. Um, 
some things were happening, and I just started to, to sense uh, the Holy Spirit releasing me. And it, it felt so strange because my love hadn't changed. And so it was hard to know why that was happening. Uh, I spent just agonizing months discerning, just in prayer, in conversation. Um, there's been a spiritual mentor, a spiritual director who's involved in this, a counselor, some outside mentors. And um, this has been a really open conversation between Tim and I, um, my wonderful husband. And um, through that process, it was been, it's just been confirmed again and again. It was just every angle I turned it was clear that the Holy Spirit was saying, it's time. It's time to release it. Tim was talking about um, Portland Alliance, and there's an old video. Some of you might remember. Some, pe- some of you who've been here for a long time, but there's a, a woman on it, and she talks about how she just couldn't understand. Like She said, we were holding our hands open-handed, but it felt like God was just, just grasping it out of their hands and how painful that was. And that's been some of what this process has been like because I love you so much. Um, But I do just want you to know that um, I don't, I think the biggest thing I want you to know right now is that this is, this is an act of obedience on my part. This is something that it's counterintuitive to me. It doesn't totally make sense, but it's also um, something that's clear to me that I need to respond to the spirit on. And that has been confirmed through a lot of, a lot of people. So, um, my, my family is up there. I'm sorry, you guys under there, you can't see there's there. Um, can you, can you guys just, yeah. Um, you guys, all three of our kids have been born and raised at Mosaic. All three of them have, we dedicated them, we did participated in the child dedications. Um, to, my, to my great joy, all three of them have been baptized in this church. You guys have prayed for our family. I don't know what, what's going on. Jared's celebrating is what he's, he's, oh. just, he's doing. He's doing like this. Um, you have shaped our family. You have loved us so well. You have poured into our kids in Mosaic Kids classrooms. Um, Jared and I have had such deep friendships um, with, with you. We have been in communities and Bible studies and all kinds of groups, and um, we're so grateful for you. Thank you for all that you have given us as you have lived as Jesus's church in this city. I was going to try to say something really profound, but all that's coming to mind is I don't like this. Yes. So, um, yes. That just doesn't sound very spiritual. And, um, and I'm glad nobody could hear that. So that's, um, yeah, jeez. Uh, um, I, I, I want to echo what, what Kim has said, um, and I've said this to her um, a ton of times, um, but just to echo that this doesn't make sense. Um, and, and also at the same time can fully affirm and trust uh, that my friend's uh, decision and obedience is, is true. And, um, and I'm far more comfortable when things make sense and, um, and I get to pick the timing and those kinds of things. So, um, 
but I do, I do know and trust uh, Kim and Kim and Jared's discernment, and um, it has been a long, long process. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and to celebrate, um, like as you just did, just what what God has done in your family, um, and so, some of you um, that you know have maybe only been around for a short time or only known. Kim, in this last couple of years, might not know um, her story and the, the Harris family story as a part of our church family, um, but to you and Jared found Mosaic and started attending, and um, I think you served just a little bit and then applied for a, a role, a paid staff role uh, that was available at the time and was told no. Um, but then offered a smaller one, which I think was a 12-hour-a-week nursery director role. Um, and that was in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you don't know, it, it's really just wonderful to celebrate who you have become mm-hmm. and who, what God has done in you mm-hmm. in these 16 years uh, on staff. Mm-hmm. And to, to take that initial step of, I think I'm going to apply for this, and then experience a, a, a deep and genuine call mm-hmm. to ministry, and then to grow into becoming a pastor, mm-hmm. and then to, to pastor for so many years here. Um, and this last kind of chunk of years has been as our executive pastor, which has overseen so much and influenced so much, and there is so much in there to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And, to, um, and again, as we've been talking all morning, not just celebrate Kim, but to celebrate what God mm-hmm. has done in, in Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to, and I've done this a ton with, with Kim over this last year, uh, but want to make sure it's very clear with us as a whole church is that um, God has, has gifted and has given Kim experience to contribute to, to his work. Um, and we have been the beneficiaries of that as a church. Uh, and now other churches get to benefit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so selfishly, um, I would love for just us to benefit, and maybe some others on the side here and there, but um, that's not what God's doing here, and we can't see all the pieces, as you've said, um, but but you do know that, that this is right, and, um, but will you, will you tell us a little bit about what you do know when you talk about calling mm-hmm. and what's out there next, mm-hmm. the things that you are doing and that you dream about doing? Yeah. Um, one of the wonderful things uh, about my time at Mosaic is that I've uh, just grown so much in knowing about spiritual formation and leadership development and what it looks like to um, help create and uh, develop and coach healthy leaders. And I've had just uh, a really wonderful experience with, we're part of a family of churches called the Christian Missionary Alliance, and um, I've had just uh, a wonderful uh, experience doing about a 10-hour-a-week coaching role for kids' ministry leaders, and that's offered me the opportunity um, to help to resource, to train, to do spiritual direction, um, to do coaching, all kinds of things. Uh, It's just been a joy, and uh, that role is actually going to expand in this next season to a a, a halftime role where I'll get to partner with the the district team uh, to really just pour into our our family of churches and the leaders that are there. Uh, We just have a passion for revitalized churches and for healthy leaders, and so we, we 
are wanting to just pour into that, and I get to be a part of doing that. So I'm, I'm also looking forward to uh, with some having a little bit more um, time as I, as I step into a halftime role of just getting to spend a season being really present with these guys that are growing so fast that I just feel like I want to soak in every minute with them that I can. So. Um, one of the realities of this uh, for us uh, as a church is that, um, and uh, I've not been shy about sharing this either, that um, this is not the timing I would have selected. Um, so God and I are wrestling over that mm -hmm. still. Um, I'm losing royally, but um, about a month ago, we announced that our worship pastor of the past 12 years is also transitioning to a different role. And so to have Phil and Kim uh, transition out at the same time uh, on one level is just horrendous and I hate it. Um, and that's, that level doesn't go away, but the other side of that, the other reality is that um, it is uh, an undeniable time in the life of our church where others will step up and lead. Um, and that takes a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice and God providing, um, and it's, it's already happening in, in the worship area. We're gonna talk about that more next week. Um, but this is a whole, all that Kim oversees and has influenced and led and pastored um, is a whole nother area. And so um, we just need to know that as a church and, um, and we'll be talking about that more in the, in the, in the weeks to come. Um, uh, Kim, there's so much more that, that we can say. One of the, um, one of the things that we were um, planning on doing was to, to pray for Kim, um, but we're not gonna pray for Kim right now. And there's a reason for that. One reason is, is we're gonna do that next week after our gathering. Um, we're gonna do a, a party afterwards. This is just like weird parties. We're doing a party to celebrate 20 and then party that God is using our amazing leaders in different ways. And we're gonna try really hard to celebrate that. Um, but both Kim and Phil, and we'll be praying for them. But the other reason um, that we're not gonna pray for Kim right now is that she's actually asked to pray for us, which if you know Kim is not surprising in one bit. Um, so, uh, Kim, thank you for uh, just even wanting to do that and uh, not surprising at all. But would you, would you pray for us in the next week we get to yeah. pray for you? I, I also just want to kind of hearken back to, there's a story in Acts that you'll, you'll get to in this next season. But hopefully just, just read Acts this week. Just read it. Um, but what, um, Paul's, Paul's leaving for Jerusalem and some, some leaders from the local church come and, and they're just holding each other and they're weeping um, before they send him away. And it's just such a beautiful, beautiful picture of what true church relationship can look like when we pour into each other and when we love each other without reservation, even though that there's loss, even though it costs. And so Tim talks about celebration while we're both up here crying. Um, but there is also just, there's also grief and that's also just a reality in this, that it's celebration, but it's also grief. And so I just want you to know that you are so worth it. <laughs> you are so worth grieving, um, having invested in, and then grieving and, and leaving. And, and I just want to encourage you to be investing that in each other. So um, I have a little verse to read, of course, um, from the message, because you guys, I don't know if anybody else will read from the message once I'm gone. So... Um, <laughs> okay, um, this is Romans, and I don't have my readers. 
um, but it's 15, three to six. So that, that's something that's changed in the 16 years. I used to have <laughs> eyesight, so um, yes. Um, so that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but he waded right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled is the way scripture puts it. Even if it was written in scripture a long time, you can be sure it's written for us. God wants the combination of his steady, constant calling and warm personal counsel in scripture to come to characterize us, keeping us alert for whatever he will do next. May our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. Then we'll be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus. That's my prayer for us, Mosaic. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Would you, would you stand so that I can... Just, I don't know, maybe just hold your hands out. I just want to bless you. Father, Son, and Spirit, you move in such mysterious ways. But we know that at the center of it all, that you are in control, that nothing surprises you, and that at the center of it is love, that you have such a deep love. And as much as I look at this church and I think I love it so much, you love it more, and it's your job to nurture it, to develop it, to grow it. And so we ask with humble hearts that you would do that. We want to be a people who are known. Jesus, this church, and I just pray that, that the Mosaic family will be known as a church that loves you so deeply that we just exude you and that this, <laughs> that mosaic exudes you in everything it does and in every relationship and that mosaic would be known as a church that loves each other, that there would be sacrificial self-denouncing love in the relationships here, that people would pray for each other, they would bring meals to each other, they would go to hospital appointments with each other, um, that they would joyfully celebrate and break bread together that this church would be one that pours into the next generations, that we would see hundreds of more kids who were dedicated by parents who want to follow you and who are baptized and who are learning to love you and follow you. Would that happen here because this church pours into them? And then... We, I ask just, just boldly, would this be a people, spirit, would you impress on them an unrelenting and passionate love for the people of this city, that they would know their neighbors, that they would pray for their coworkers, that they would be pastors and evangelists to the people around them. And we ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mosaic. I love you. Please have a seat. There's something uh, that, is, that is really hard and really worth celebrating when somebody has 
served and given uh, so much of, of who they are, so much of their life and their time um, themselves, uh, and then feels God changing that and calling them to something else. And, um, and so Kim mentioned grief, um, and that's a very real part of that. And so uh, we wanna do a really uh, good job of honoring our, our friend and leader and pastor uh, and Kim and be honest about the, the loss of, and the change that happens um, when God calls a pastor away um, into something else. And especially when only part of that is clear and the other part is not. And so, um, yeah. I'm gonna call an audible here um, because it's 11.20. I wanna do uh, uh, one, one thing, just, I want us to watch a, a short uh, video uh, because today uh, we are, we're opening up signups for um, our 24-7 prayer room that will happen the last week of this month, September 24th through October 5th, through October 1st. Um, is seven days, I think we've calculated 168 hours of prayer. We did this in Holy Week earlier um, in this calendar year and wanted to mark another week just to pray together prior to knowing all of this. And so as we talk about being a church that grows into being empowered by the Holy Spirit, prayer is a primary way that this happens. There's a room here, if you're not aware of it or haven't seen it before, um, that we set up. We, we're gonna need volunteers for a security team um, to help and set up the room, those kinds of things. But I want you to see a video of, of some of, of who participated in it this earlier this year. Um, and so take a, a look at this and then we'll talk about how, what it means to sign up and, and to be a part of that. Hey, I'm Chris and um I took part in the 24-7 prayer. It was an opportunity to be alone with God in a peaceful place. God is like a, he says he's our dad and he wants to give us all kinds of things, but we never ask him for them. Uh, so I took that to heart and asked him for a few things for our community, for our church, for our city. I'm Devin. I was actually able to uh, work security for a couple of nights and there were some openings so I was able to participate in the uh, prayer a couple of times. I really was looking forward to it. I was thinking through how God was working through things in my life but then I was also thinking about all the things uh, that were going on in our world around us, in our community, and, and just with people that God had put on my heart. I thought it was a great experience. God was telling me to slow down and to have moments of, of quiet. I was able to focus on his goodness, his faithfulness, his magnificence, his love, and um, prompted me to write a few words down about that. I spent about 45 minutes uh, just with my finger in the labyrinth and allowing my finger with my eyes closed to follow the labyrinth and just be aware of God with me. That day I wrote some declaration and wrote some uh, prayers for people and wrote some testimony and wrote in the journal, allowed myself to be in the presence of God. I really did hear from God and had a great experience. And once I finally settled in and felt like I was able to focus on God, one of the things I, I spent a long time at the desk with the prayer journal and the prayers for Portland. 
even though I was a little bit hesitant, I, I thought it was a really good experience. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I don't know, an hour of silent prayer, like usually when I pray in the morning, it's five minutes or something. How would I, what would I do for an hour? I think that you'll find um, that God will meet you here and that he will meet you in a way that maybe you haven't experienced before. And then you might learn something that you could take into your own life, um, even if you don't have an hour or two hours every day to do all these experiences, you might find something that you could incorporate. Prayer is the most powerful thing that we have. We have a direct line to the God of the universe and he wants to um, answer us. He wants to show up for us. There's a real hunger that's developing in the hearts of God's people um, for more of him, for a deeper encounter, for um, a deeper experience that is tangible and real and affects change in our own lives and our community around us. So if you did not participate in this last, uh, earlier this year when we did it before, um, I want to invite you to it now. What it means is it's going on our website and clicking on the sign up button and, and scheduling an hour or you can do more. Um, but you can see all the times are available. Our goal is to, is to be as a church uh, one or more people in that room solidly for uh, seven days, 24 hours a day um, for that whole week, September 24th through October 1st. Um, and as you heard, what God does and how he meets us in that. And for some of you, you actually have experienced this before and you go, ah, an hour in a room like that to set aside just to talk to God and hear from him. And, and you jump at that and it's exciting. And others of you, that sounds nearly impossible. Um, and so I hope that there are some of you that that sounds nearly impossible that will actually sign up and, and be willing to risk and experience that. But we are asking that God would work in some new and powerful ways, specifically that we would grow in our capacity to understand who the Holy Spirit is, be in relationship with him and experience his power. Um, couple other things. Um, we're going to talk in, in the coming weeks about what it means for us in our communities. Um, we're going to hear from a few leaders over the next couple of weeks that are starting new communities, but what it means to experience the Holy Spirit together in relationship uh, and deep relationship with one another outside of this kind of space um, in homes uh, throughout the week. And the other thing is it's serving and how we actually serve one another uh, serve the mission of God in and through Mosaic, uh, through our giftings and how the Holy Spirit has prepared us and equipped us for that. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come as well. Um, another way that the Holy Spirit works through us is, a, is allowing us to trust him with our finances. And so um, we say this prayer every uh, week when we gather um, that trust, it helps us to trust God with all of who we are, including our finances, which is one way that the Spirit works through us as a church. And so I'm gonna invite you to stand and we're gonna say a prayer, this, this prayer, uh, this liturgy that we say together every week. And then, uh, we're, then we're going to sing, and then please stick around afterwards to hang out, to meet people, uh, and to have cake if you so choose. There's some in the back. Uh, we're going to have a great time. Let's say this prayer together. Once it's up on the screen, here we go. Father, Son, and Spirit.